Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a community of people seeking to live our lives in the orienting center of God's love in the midst of our post-Christian world, learning to lead like Jesus, live on mission, and make disciples. In nature, gravity is the phenomenon that brings stuff together, objects as small as atoms and quarks, and as large as stars and galaxies. We believe the gravity of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. The Gravity Leadership Podcast is curated conversations on what it looks like to practically orient our lives and our leadership in the love of Christ, the gravity that holds everything together. Hey folks, uh, welcome to another episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. I'm Ben Sternke, one of the co-founders of Gravity Leadership, and uh, today I'm joined by um, the other Ben, as I like to call him, Ben Hardman. Yep. Yep. I, I like to call you the other Ben. I know. I think it's I know. the back and forth kind of Ben thing. <laughs> we make it easy when we hang out with people when we're both named Ben. So yeah, the yeah. taller Ben. I'm the taller Ben. Is oh, that- I see. That's how. Yeah, you're also the older Ben. <laughs> I am. Yeah, I'm the older Ben, and you're also the other Ben. So it works out. It everything's yeah. fine. Um, and so uh, we're here, we're here today with um, a guest uh, we've got on the podcast today, Carlos Rodriguez, all the way from Puerto Rico. Ben is the white guy's name. That is, there's a lot of them. Carlos would be the brown version name of that. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of Carlos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. It sounds exotic, but it isn't. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, like Juan. Right, it's, yeah, just John. It. Juan, it's just John. Yeah, and yeah. I have a cousin who's Juan Carlos, of course. Juan Carlos, yeah. <laughs> John Carl. And both my kids are named Carlos, uh, just to state that fact, as my dad is. Full name is Carlos Alberto Rodriguez Sostre Ortiz Rivera Pagan Burgo Pardo Garcia Caquias Nazario. Great, and... I, I wrote that down, so I'll be able to. Uh... Sorry that we didn't do. Sorry we didn't say that when we introduced you. <laughs> that's, that's fine. <laughs> I've been married for 14 years, and my wife—I don't think she still knows my full name, which is good. <laughs> uh, that's funny. That's funny. Well, uh, Carlo, I don't, I don't know if everybody—I'm uh, sure that some of our listeners are are, are not familiar with you. Um, so, do, do you want to just give us a little bi- biographical sketch of who you are, and um, let, let sure. us know let us know uh, what you're up to? Yeah. So, I was born and raised in Puerto Rico um, in a you know kind of cultural. Catholic family. We went to mass for special occasions and went to Catholic school. But long story short, I got, you know, quote unquote, saved on the most evangelical event in the history of mankind, a Billy Graham crusade right here in Puerto Rico. Um, I had that classic experience, went to the front, prayed the prayer, cried the tears, and I've never looked back really. Um, Been following Jesus since, went to a Southern Baptist high school, while attending a charismatic school, um, you know, I kind of had my first very Pentecostal charismatic experience in a Catholic mass, 
here in Puerto Rico. Hmm. So I come from this diverse background of journeys in the faith that always made sense to me. It was never awkward, um, you know, to be slain in the spirit and mass after learning from my Southern Baptist teacher in school, hanging out with my Pentecostal girlfriend. That was just, you know. <laughs> That's great. That's great. <laughs> that was very normal for me. And not coming from a Christian background, you know, I didn't have these paradigms that I had to deconstruct. I was constructing them hmm. based on all these experiences and, and all these, you know, different um, influences that I was having from El Padre Willy, you know, the priest at the, mat, at the um, Catholic congregation that I would go to. And then Elizabeth Guidini, this very strong, powerful, charismatic woman that my parents' church were attending to. So hmm. just came from that background. I ended up in Toronto <clears throat> at a school of ministry. And I, I was always attracted to, as a Latino and as somebody who, you know, attended charismatic experiences in churches, uh, went to Toronto, did a school of ministry over there in what was known as the Toronto Revival. Um, got ordained there as a pastor and then been in and out of ministry for the last 18 years. I was a local church pastor here in Puerto Rico. Then I planted a church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, and then I was fired from that church, praise the Lord. And then <laughs> I ended up moving to Puerto Rico again, because I was born and raised here. And because Maria, the hurricane Maria back a year and a half, a year and two months ago, destroyed our island. Hmm. And I've been coming here on a monthly basis with different teams. And again, almost going back to my roots, Catholics, Pentecostals, Baptists, every conservative and liberal couldn't care less if you want to help Puerto Rico. I've been hosting teams on a monthly basis and move my family here for the long term to continue to host teams to do good work. Hmm. Yes, very good. All uh, that. Yes, all that. Yeah, that was pretty good. Uh, it was a pretty good uh, biographical sketch in a very in very few minutes. Um, so I, I want to get back to that, like the work that you're doing in Puerto Rico, um, mm -hmm. and how people can get involved in that perhaps. But, um, but first I want to, I want to back up to, uh, you, you mentioned getting fired from that mm -hmm. church. You also said, praise the Lord. I said, um, praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I remember I met, I met you a little over, I guess it was about three years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, at, yeah. at a, a little conference and, um, and I've been following you on, on social media since then. So, you know, you sort of find each other on Twitter and that mm -hmm. kind of a thing. Um, and my impression from the outside was that you had kind of come from this uh, charismatic world mm -hmm. uh, and, and had begun to speak out more uh, explicitly about issues of injustice, mm -hmm. uh, issues of equality, uh, and those kinds of things. And um, my impression from the outside is that that didn't sit well with everybody who Ooh. followed you, with everybody who uh, was uh, kind of in your sphere. Is that accurate? Or, it, you know, like, can you talk, is it, was, that a, was that a conscious shift for you? And can you talk a little bit about why you chose yeah. to do that and what the response was to it? Yeah. Well, I feel like it wasn't a conscious, conscious shift. I feel like I, I always was speaking on these hmm. things about injustice, serving the poor, visiting prisoners, you know, I, I, I like to say, I try my best to live for that list in Matthew 25. <laughs> it's pretty clear, right? The yeah. audience is, it's been delineated for us. It's like, visit the prisoner, you know, mm -hmm. be with the sick. So to me, it was always basic Christianity. I think there's an element of Latinos where, again, culturally Catholics who are more influenced by like liberational theology. So we're not like afraid okay. of that conversation. Yeah. Um, Jesus said that, you know, that's how he splits the goats and the sheep. Whoever, you know, visits the prisoner, welcomes a stranger. And it's not like we have to theologically 
trying to like frame it next to every other verse about salvation without it doesn't depend sure. on works. It's just what Jesus said. So we're like, okay, let's mm -hmm. then do the stuff. So I felt like I always was speaking on that, but obviously the last two, three years, the political climate, it's almost like then the same stuff I was saying before is now framed in, oh, that means you don't like Trump. That means you're huh. not a Republican. Wait a minute. I was like, I was always speaking. To me, that was the gospel. Um, and I found myself not being conservative enough for my conservative friends. And at the same time, found myself not being liberal enough for my liberal friends. And I'm living in this mm -hmm. in-between of just like, I'm just, I honestly, outside of all the other labels, I want to be known as a Jesus follower. This is what Jesus said. So let's have a conversation about what Jesus said and put that inside of all the other conversations we're having about whether we should welcome more refugees, about, you know, Bruce Jenner becomes Caitlyn Jenner, about whatever people were talking about right. on social media. I'm like, okay, let's frame that in the context of the gospel and let's have a conversation from that spot, the starting point. Um, so yeah, there, and also for me as a kind of charismatic Pentecostal, if I'm reading all the books of like, uh, we, we love our revival history books, we, we, we eat them up. Mm. And you're reading about, for example, the Azusa Street Revival, early 1904, 1905, 1906, in those years, it was a black man yep. who was not welcomed into a Bible school in Texas, who could barely see through one eye, who was disregarded by society in so many, and he was leading this massive move, really, Pentecostals look back to that, yes. right? And yep. then even out of that, the charismatic movement has always been from the margins. Mm. Like when women preachers were not allowed anywhere else, it was like the spirit is on that woman. Boom. She's yeah. Catherine Kuhlman and she's filling up stadiums and the spirit is moving. Right. Yeah. So to me, it was always number one. It was natural mm. in terms of like these conversations always in the, in the context of the gospel. Like that's what Jesus said. So that's what I'm going with. And my actual faith tradition, my kind of my stream we're always the people of the margins. It's like the yeah. common denominator, the spirit comes yeah. upon you, yeah. like you good, you go for it. Yep. You're welcome, you're invited. You're not yeah. just like, come here and we'll serve you. It's like, no, you could even be in leadership because the spirit's upon you. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, I found myself like confused why stuff both from Jesus and from our movement was now an issue. Hmm. Um, and that, that's something that I had to wrestle with and still wrestling with because I haven't stopped being a Jesus follower, nor have I stopped being a charismatic Pentecostal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it, yeah. Does, it does feel like the, the level of antagonism and polarization just continues to increase. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's such a challenge for us as leaders uh, to be discerning in, in what we communicate, kind of when we speak and, sure. and what we speak. Sure. Uh, and so how do you, how do you as a leader, I mean, I, uh, I, I'm I'm talking to so many different leaders who are who are kind of in this place of I'm afraid to speak like I, yeah. I'm afraid of losing my job I'm afraid of losing tithers or congregants or all of these things and so what are some of the ways that you as a leader discern when do I speak and what do I say I mean that's such a it's almost like an impossible question to answer because it really depends on it depends on what you feel the spirit is leading you. To speak on what are the battles that you've been called to fight and i guess the answer is that what are the battles that you've been called to fight what are the things that you know without a shadow of a doubt they're like that's that's the gospel and i'm not going to deviate from that and i mean i used to say there was an element of you can balance it now i'm like man i lost my job i don't think i think there is an <laughs> element of like you making a decision 
what are things that you can't live without and things that you can live with um, and that you can kind of lead a, con a congregation through it. For those of you who are pastors and are listening, I'm hopeful because even, even a year ago, I would have said, man, there's a price to pay and just say what you need to say. And I pray for you that you don't lose your job. Whereas now, even 12 months later, I'm going to all these events, even in my own stream, in my own movement, charismatics, Pentecostals. It's so hopeful because it's almost like we've crossed that line. It's like, no, we need to talk about this. Hmm. Like we need to talk about racism. There's no doubt about it. We need to talk about sexism. We need to talk about, you know, nationalism. We, all the isms, it's <laughs> so obvious that we need to address them. So even from 12 months ago, I think there's more leeway for pastors to actually start addressing this from a place of humility always, because we obviously don't have all the answers. But again, we get to look to Jesus. What did Jesus say about this? Let's have a conversation. Let's frame it around that. And so I'm more hopeful than I was 12 months ago. Um, That's I, good. I just caught myself a little bit in, in the midst of like the height of like you're either this or that, which I think, to be honest, is a gift that we're going to realize 20 years from now, we were able to actually draw lines where we said, okay, that's definitely not the gospel. And that leader definitely made a choice, politics above kingdom. I think it's a gift right now that we're having. It just doesn't feel like a gift. It feels more like a burden. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. It's so good. And I do see, I see a lot of social media things where people are trying to tell everybody how to pastor their local congregation. Like oh, if you don't speak on this, this mm. Sunday, then mm. you are like the worst pastor ever. And yeah. and I think part of it is like, I, I've got to understand that I'm called to my local congregation and I know the stories and the context. I sit mm -hmm. with those people. I pray mm -hmm. with those people. I bury those people. That's I right. like, I do the work of a pastor with them every day. And that's so right. I know their hearts. And, and if I'm not, if I'm just expressing something out of anger or frustration and sure. not communicating in love, then, then there's some things that I'm missing there. And yeah. so I, I, I want to just affirm you, buddy, like, uh, Thanks, man. that you, you're joining a great cloud of witnesses <laughs> Thank you, who sir. have suffered for the gospel. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and, uh, I know there's a lot of leaders who are, who are wrestling with the consequences of this. And so as we talk about these kinds of things with gravity leadership, I don't want to ever take it lightly mm -hmm. um, because I know that I, I can speak on racism this Sunday. In fact, I am, I'm preaching Acts 10 this weekend mm -hmm. and I, I have no fear that I'm not going to get fired. I, Man, I, I, I can, I can get after it and I can, you know, Absolutely. I can challenge, but I know that there are people who, if they broach some of the same subjects that I do, mm -hmm. um, there's different consequences. Uh, and, and, and so I think, yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, it is this thing of the season again. Like you could have done that five years ago and you would have been celebrated, um, you know, in other churches. Oh, man, the pastor's addressing that. That's great. But now it's a it's immediately becomes a political statement. It immediately mm -hmm. becomes. Yeah. And, and it has to do with media, social media. Our connectivity is so intense that yeah. we're assuming what other people are talking about. Nuance has become a, a, a legitimate thing because we're just completely like fully yes. aware of all these conversations and then we're hearing yes. whatever somebody's saying through those conversations yes. we're already having in our heads with ourselves or arguments we're having with somebody on twitter that then we transpose to our pastors or leaders or friends yes um, yeah. yeah we've we've allowed we've allowed the the frame and this is this is where i think i think you mentioned this earlier carlos like where there there's a frame within which we hear everything 
And sure. we've allowed, yeah. we've allowed like social, the, the media basically world that we're, that we're living in now, we've allowed that to determine what mm-hmm. that frame is. And so we never question that frame. And so the only way we have to hear what our pastor is saying uh, is through that frame. And so that's it's like, right. oh, well, you're for Trump or you're against him. Like that, mm-hmm. that's the only thing I can think of when you're talking about racism or immigration yeah. or, or whatever it is. Like that's the sure. only frame I have. We've allowed that to become hegemonic. Um, and and that's kind of what I've, I've tried to do to the best of my efforts. And sometimes I've gone too political. Sometimes I haven't been political enough. But to the mm-hmm. best of my efforts, if we are, and I've almost fallen in love with that concept of Jesus is the name above all names. Yeah. Because, because of media and social media, there's so many names that are in the forefront of all these conversations. Even if you're not naming them, people know who you're talking about yeah. um, or they assume to know who you're talking <laughs> about. And that's yeah. why I'm falling in love again with like Jesus, 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 the gospel is the gospel, the gospel. Whatever conversation we're having, I'm going to mm-hmm. try my absolute best to frame it. Jesus, this is what he said. This is how he did it. Yes. This is. And sometimes I fall short. I over, I grab Jesus and I try to stretch him too long to what I want him to say. <laughs> um, but as best as I can, I'm consuming the story, the language, the, you know, what the essence of who Christ is yes. and trying to, you know, live it out in the here and the now. So yeah. one of the reasons we moved to Puerto Rico was for that, not just to talk about Jesus, but mm. to see how we can encounter Jesus in the people here and then serve Jesus as we serve them. Yes. Um, that's great, man. I, I, uh, I'd love to talk a little bit about um, Happy Sonship, which mm-hmm. is uh, the nonprofit you started. Um, I think mm-hmm. you, you started it before you moved to Puerto Rico, but um, it's been operating for quite a while. Um, just a little anecdote. Um, one, of the, one of the things, I'll let you talk a little bit more about what you guys do, but um, one of the okay. things that Happy Sonship does is they sell uh, T-shirts and mugs, mm-hmm. um, swag. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might yeah. like to call it right. Uh, with, <laughs> we with, don't call it that, but well, I, anyway, you know. <laughs> that's Indiana. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. I that no idea what that, that is. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Jesus swag. No. Okay. Right. <laughs> oh my gosh! Lord uh, help, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really sorry. I'm I'm derailing the podcast. Uh, the other Ben. Lord help the other Ben. Oh the yeah, ben, yeah, yes. yeah. I've become the other Ben just now. <laughs> no. Um, all right. So, uh, but but they are T-shirts that, that kind of um, this. What you just said, like Jesus, 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 like let's let's encapsulate this message. They have little messages on them, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, love thy blank neighbor is one of the T-shirts, mm-hmm. right? That kind of thing. So, um, our, our friend and Gravity co-founder Matt Tebby, um, he has several of these T-shirts. He really loves oh, them. That's nice we, of him. Yeah, yeah, and we joke with him though that it's like his witness wear. Yeah, like like wit, wit, the new, it is the new witness. It's wear. the new witness wear, and it it is uh it's fascinating though because he wears it intentionally, like okay. you know when he's going different places or whatever. Um, yeah. yeah, and you know, like I th- I always think he looks a little uh, funny with his pink T shirt about how Jesus you know uh, empowered women and all that kind of stuff. But uh, yes, Matt. Woo! Yeah, no, 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 Matt. it's great. But he is. Um, uh, the res- the responses he's gotten are super interesting. They're yeah, super interesting, um, yeah. and one of them that I wanted to highlight. You were talking about polarization, like is that that love thy blank neighbor? And this is a T-shirt. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what else, you know. Love thy Muslim neighbor. Love thy yeah. gay neighbor. Homeless you know, neighbor. Yeah. Homeless yeah. neighbor. There's a whole bunch of you know lists there, and I think he he's got that on a T-shirt or on his iPhone case or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, Christians respond very differently to that than non-Christians. And he's had Christians come up and say, where's, where's that Christian neighbor? 
Yeah. Or that <laughs> white like, neighbor. Or that white neighbor, you know. My biggest complaint from my store is people, which we do have, we do have several lists. And mm-hmm. there's one that ha- includes white neighbor, Arab neighbor, Republican neighbor. Yeah. But our best seller is love thy homeless neighbor, gay neighbor, Muslim neighbor, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And my biggest complaint is from white Christians saying, where does it say yeah. my white neighbor? Yeah. Well, this this one, uh, whatever Matt had, it had thy Christian neighbor on it, and this it did, cr- yeah. the Christian just assumed that, that it didn't it have it on it, and he was like, "No, it's right there." He's like, "Oh, yeah, okay, you know." But you know, just again, like just even seeing that message immediately provokes this mm-hmm. polarized, antagonistic mm-hmm. response, even though it's That's not sense. even true. Like Christian was on the list, you know. So anyway, mm-hmm. so anyway, and but he he gets uh, entirely different responses from. Non-Christians. Non-Christians are almost universally appreciative. That's right. It's. I mean, I've gotten. We we sell a lot. This this is a a good story, even for others maybe out there thinking of nonprofit activism, whatever. I always wanted to have a nonprofit that didn't depend just on donations. Hmm. That we could have creative ways to fund the work, because even as a local church pastor, I found myself just. Let's start a sermon series on tithing because we need to pay the bills. But really, we're doing it because we really want people to do good with their tithes and offerings. But really, it's because we needed money for the bills, right? <laughs> so I found myself just kind of like accommodating conversations, trying to make it spiritual when we just need money. So I was like, I don't, I want to move a little bit away from that. All that to say, we started the HappyGivers.com, which is the store for the Happy Sonship nonprofit okay. and the Happy Givers. We made like ninety grand last month on apparel. Um, because we're selling tons of t-shirts, mugs, hats, and 100% of that goes into the nonprofit pot so so that whenever teams come to Puerto Rico, I can say, hey, we have 20 grand to fix these five houses. Hey, we got 10 grand to do this work, this project here. Hmm. And and at the same time, we're starting all these amazing conversations, mostly non-Christians being overly supportive, obviously Christians wearing them. So we know there's a bunch of Christians out there that are wearing the apparel and there's that double kind of win of yes. saying something that they want to say and helping the work we're doing here in Puerto Rico and Peru and Ethiopia and other places. So yeah, it's been interesting to kind of find myself in that swag world, whatever you call it. <laughs> um, but it's really, it's really a way to fund the mission. It's yeah. really a way to be free to do the work that we wanted to do. Yeah. So happy givers is kind of the store part. It's the, we, right. we sell stuff. Um, and then, mm. Uh, that funds the Happy Sonship, which is the nonprofit, the, the overall nonprofit. So tell mm-hmm. me, tell me, uh, tell me about the name. I was, I always was struck by that name, Happy Sonship. Where, where did that come from, and what does that mean? Yeah, well, I so in my charismatic world, um, when I was the rising star back in the glorious days, <laughs> um, I, 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 my first book was called Simply Sonship, which is the whole concept of kind of encountering God as a father. Okay. I, I come from an abusive, alcoholic background. So the whole concept of father, my dad was my hero and my greatest enemy, both at the same time, depending mm. on whether he was drinking or not. Mm. So when I, when I have this radical encounter with Jesus and I start going to church, I always struggle with that concept of God as father. And one of the beautiful things that I learned in my time in Toronto, I mean, huge props to them for really carrying this message of, you know, the father's love. And he's that father who runs and hugs and kisses, according to the story in Luke 15, the prodigal son. And I had just these, you know, all these kind of 
moments of really surrendering my heart to all the judgments against fathers, not just my earthly father, but spiritual fathers and any other kind of father figure, and really discovering God as a loving, kind father, which then really led me into more like this is not just he's a good, good father for me, for me, for me, but he's a good father for all. Mm. And, and that was part of the deviation, the the kind of transition from really discovering this revelation of God as father and how lovely he is, how willing he is to forgive, to love, to restore, but not just me, everybody else. Yeah. Um, so that was part of the transition. So happy sonship, all that to say, I was going through a major faith crisis. My ministry was being extremely successful. I'm getting invited. I'm speaking at massive conferences. I'm selling tons of my first book. Um, and my marriage is crumbling. I am cursing my head off at home. I'm being aggressive to my wife. I'm not hurting her, but I'm threatening, right? And I'm, and I'm finding myself becoming like my dad, but in a more Christianized way. Wow. I'm not sleeping around with women, but the church really is my number one lover. Um, and, and through all that, the least, I, I was not happy at all. Uh, but my kids kept singing that stupid Pharrell song, because I'm happy. Da, 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 da. <laughs> they would not stop with that song. Probably the worst summer of my life. <laughs> and the whole concept of sonship, which was something that I was trying to kind of brand for a new generation, and the song Happy be- came together. And mm-hmm. honestly, it's because sonship.com was too expensive to buy, so I just added <laughs> Happy. <laughs> I mean, all that to say, it easier. That, that, that's it. That's all I had to say. Carlos, Sorry. you were doing so good with the story until you threw yeah. in the, the last part. Yeah. It was expensive, <laughs> and Happy Sonship was much cheaper. That's it. <laughs> yeah. no, it's beautiful man that there's such a joy in our identity that there is a there is a joy in who we are and who christ sees us to be uh right. i love that and it's available for everybody yeah right. yeah I, i'm struck too by um we you know as we interview um leaders that y- your story is somewhat common i mean not the not the details you know the specific contours but just sure. the dichotomy between what's happening out here like what mm-hmm. the world sees, a successful book, rising star, mm-hmm. um, speaking at conferences, that kind of a thing. And the dichotomy between that outward world that looks so good and the inner world that you described where, mm-hmm. you know, there, there was this battle, you know, to really, it, it, even I, I find it ironic, I guess, that, that the whole topic of the outer world was sonship. And then, like that's the primary battle, you know. Like even 100%. even in your in your home and that kind of a thing. That's right. Um, I mean, my my messages were all like family comes first, and it's all about family. And yet, mm. I'm doing the exact opposite. Yeah. It, to be honest with you, I wouldn't even say battle because I was so blinded. Hmm. It wasn't like I'm struggling. I'm I'm literally telling my wife, I'm such a I'm such a good husband. You're just, I have a couple of little issues. You're just ungrateful and the church is ungrateful and I have too much pressure and I'm serving Jesus and I'm giving my life to this. So just cut me a little bit of slack. If I make a hole on the wall, at least I'm not doing it to you. And I just, I was completely blinded to my, you know, in my ego, in my own narrative. Wow. I stopped listening to input. And, and, and the worst part about it, I knew how to frame my issues in such a way that people would be like, oh, he's so humble, you know, he's so honest. <laughs> But not enough for people to go like, my goodness, he needs to stop being a pastor. He needs to stop selling his book. He needs mm. to get some counseling and ministry and prayer mm. and everything else. So it wasn't until we hit that point and all props to my wife for number one, loving me through it. And number two, loving me enough not to let me get away with it. Mm. Um, she's like, I draw the line here. And when she did that, you know, we, I stopped being the pastor. 
we went through practically a year of weekly counseling, repentance, me having to take the blinders off to then see, oh my gosh, this, 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 this needs sorting out and learning skills like legitimate, like therapy, medication skills to be able to not be that anymore because, you know, it wasn't the right thing. And then, you know, slowly but surely kind of coming to a place of honesty with myself, with my family and with, in a way, Happy Sonship began because my ministry was collapsing and I needed a way to kind of process something that was already public. People already knew about it. So I was like, well, whatever, here you go. Yeah. Here's everything that, here are my doubts. Here's my pain. And of course, because wow. people are hungry for that kind of vulnerability, that kind of raw, um, people connected to it. The first mm. year of the blog, because it really started as a blog. We had more than 4 million visitors uh, reading, sharing, commenting, and that kind of led into, okay, now we're not going to just write about it. What if we do something about the stuff we're talking about? How can we help other leaders? How can we help, you know, whether we're talking about refugees, whether we're talking about the poor here or there. So it became a nonprofit because of that. Yeah. And that's, uh, you fairly recently moved back to Puerto Rico then, right? And kind of yeah, focusing. That's right. I mean, just this past August, okay. um, again, because we were flying in and out of Puerto Rico with different teams on a monthly basis since the yeah. hurricane. Um, so my second book, Drop the Stones, came out the night of Hurricane Maria. I'm doing a book release in Raleigh, wow. North Carolina, on Barnes and Nobles, all these people. I'm signing a book. I'm finding myself almost falling, falling into the trap again. Oh, and all wow. of a sudden, this hurricane destroys this beautiful island. And I just knew I can't just talk about it. I have to live it. And I started bringing teams and I started doing stuff. And then my wife and I, we knew like best case scenario for our families to be on the ground doing the stuff we love to do. Um, so we, you know, to the series of events, we came back and here we are, we're absolutely loving it and it's been the best decision. People are like, Oh man, you're in Puerto Rico. There's all these issues. I'm like, do not feel sorry for me. I'm drinking mojitos. I'm serving beautiful people. I'm welcoming teams all the time. <laughs> I mean, if the narrative of you're such a sad missionary will get me more money, it's not worth it. I'm having a good time. Yeah. I'm loving the will of God is the safest, most exciting place to be. And, I, and we feel yeah. like we're there. Yeah, that's beautiful. Carlos, what, what, what would you say to the pastor who whose ministry is fruitful right now? Who's like ev- all the all the metrics are up and to the right. Like on the outside, everything looks good, but there's just a sense of there's something going on inside of me right now that mm. is I'm not where I need to be. Like, what advice would you give to that to that leader right now? Yeah, uh, to be honest with you, find somebody that has nothing to do with your world. Um, because it's so yeah. tempting, even really close friends inside of your community, they still carry both you and the community. Um, so even my best intended friends that really wanted to provide a safe place for me, they're on the board of the church or they're part of the worship team or they're somehow connected to the community. And there's obviously a place for them. And they were people that I could bounce off ideas and kind of share my struggles but like legitimate needs that you know, dear listening, you know without a shadow of a doubt, there is an addiction, there's a problem, there's a pattern in your life that needs to get sorted. Gets worse. Find somebody, find a counselor on the other town, find a therapist, you know, two hours away. Uh, but just please find some help and 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 start the journey that belongs to you, which is healing, transformation, restoration. Um, because it's so worth it. And what's the point of wearing a mask? I mean, we all struggle. It's like people, we're all embarrassed about the fact that we go to the bathroom, but we all go to the bathroom. Like, forget about it. Like, we all have a <laughs> lot of problems. 
<laughs> like get off of your, your your high horse take off the mask walk the humble road i promise you you'll encounter christ like nothing else and community in mm. a deeper way than you know in your heart all our hearts are asking for that yeah, yeah it's great advice man great advice Another, another question that I have, uh, Carlos, for our listeners, on behalf of our listeners, um, what, what would you say to a, a pastor or maybe just a, a, like a, a Christian uh, who's listening, who uh, in the past few years, as everything's become more polarized, but you know, mm-hmm. part of the gift of that, uh, like you were saying earlier, is that there's this clarity that comes of like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, like I can, I can speak up. Or I can be, mm-hmm. I can be silent, right? So there's there's been a lot of um, new awareness that a lot of people that I know in the past few years there's awareness of sexism, racism, systemic sure. injustice, like all of these things. Um, but I think there's a lack of understanding about like, well, how do I actually get involved in what God is doing mm-hmm. in those things? You know, mm-hmm. other than kind of you know just posting a, a, an update on Facebook or Twitter, you know, yes. uh, like what. I don't know what what advice would you have for somebody who's like I really want to change the way that I'm living. Uh, I want to be involved yeah. in these things, uh, but I don't. There's no immediate way for me to, the obvious way for me to do that right now. Like, what would you say yeah. to the, that pastor? Or a great segue into my third book, Proximity. That's what I'm <laughs> writing on right now. Okay. Uh, hopefully, it'll be out early next year. Um, yeah, I've discovered that even as I was a local church pastor in Raleigh, North Carolina, and the church, you know, we planted in 2008, um, and we had a, a check came in for $1.3 million to buy our building from an anonymous source. We had our own wow. building that was paid off. We had about 600 people coming regularly on a Sunday morning. We're being successful. The church is growing. It's an exciting time. And yet I found myself trying to preach all this stuff, and people like, Sometimes heard it. Sometimes they would come at the end of a sermon to me and say, like, hey, it was amazing when you said this or that. I'm like, I had, I didn't even say anything close to that, but I guess <laughs> awesome. Yeah, um, yeah. Or people like not really tracking with what I was trying to do as a lead pastor and telling me not this, not that. We need an American flag on stage. We need to follow the Jewish calendar. And I'm having all these discussions with, you know, givers, non-givers, people coming regularly, non-regularly. Anyways, it wasn't until I discovered really it, it is through the act of proximity hmm. and that even that simple concept of Jesus, according to Philippians 2, undressing himself would made him God, leaving his place of privilege to come to the underprivileged and like not just to come among us to tell us that he was superior, but to come among us to serve us, to wash our feet. to And, and really that kind of transition from our thrones of knowledge, our thrones of business, our throne of understanding, our theological thrones, abandoning those places of privilege and coming to be with the underprivileged. Those conversations, the Me Too conversation, um, welcoming refugees conversation, um, all those conversations have actual human beings that we can be in proximity to. Mm. And it's in that proximity that I can sit next to uh, an extremely conservative person who wants to build a wall and, hey, let's have a meal with our Mexican friends. They're undocumented and we're going to have a meal and in the context of proximity, when you actually learn names and it's not just a concept, but it's a human life, mm-hmm. it's so much better. So for, for pastors of local churches wanting to get and be part of these conversations, first find human beings that are the center of those conversations and not just speak for them. And yeah. now I speak, now I get to speak in a sense as being the underprivileged, being in Puerto Rico, yeah. where 
you know, we're still struggling with electricity, with internet, with clean water, where there's a hundred thousand homes still with blue tarps and no ceilings, right? Mm -hmm. uh, from that place of, I lost my vote coming to Puerto Rico because as American citizens, we still don't have the right to vote here on the island. Mm -hmm. um, so as young, I get to say, use your platforms, not just to speak for us, but to make room for us to share our stories and, and, and while we're sharing our stories, don't try to tell us how to say those stories or how to frame those stories. Just make room for people to be human beings created in the image of God whose stories are valuable. And if it's time to cry with them, cry with them. If it's time to like laugh with them, laugh with them, but definitely listen to them. So find human beings, find stories that are actual people with names and then give them time, give them platform time, even if it's a short testimony time. If you're talking about racism, then find the African-American, then find the Latino and don't speak for them. Actually give them room to say how it feels mm -hmm. to be them amongst all these conversations. I yeah. think that's as, I, as, as a lead pastor, as a local church pastor, I found that that is by far the best way to initiate any kind of conversation that we're having right now. Hmm. Yes. That's really good, man. It just That's takes really time and effort, and it's yeah. it's messier. It yeah. definitely is messier, especially when you can't control, you know, uh, <laughs> the Puerto Rican guy telling you how angry he is that the administration didn't respond quickly enough to Puerto Rico, so at least 3,000 people died, right? Yeah. But at least it's the Puerto Rican guy who knows how it feels, who struggle, who had to move from Puerto Rico, who's new, now living in Connecticut, and who's left his mom and dad here, right? It's them sharing the story. So... Yeah. It's it's in a way it's easier to consume for people who are in the mm -hmm. congregation, your congregation, and then it frames the conversation on human beings, not just on political narratives. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's really important what you said of of don't speak for them. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's real. Like so often, particularly in the white church, I, I've seen um, conversations with minorities that feels a little patronizing. Yeah, yeah. Or, or conversations that feel like tokenism, if that sure. makes any sense. Yeah, oh, yeah. 100%. Uh, so I, I, I think it's really significant for us to allow people to tell their stories and invite other people to listen. Yes. Uh, uh, so, such good wisdom, man. Such yeah, I mean, man. sometimes I have, I have friends, well-intended white friends who I love, who I made community with, who, I, who are some of my biggest supporters to the work I'm doing here. And they're like, man, sometimes I feel bad about my white privilege or whatever you call it. I'm like, do not feel bad. Use that thing. Use those platforms that God has given you. Um, like, use that to to actually demonstrate that the voiceless are not voiceless. That the that those who are disenfranchised and marginalized actually have a place at the table. They we know that they have a place at the Lord's table, and they have a place at the table of the conversation that this nation needs to have. So, yeah, use yeah, those and, platforms and, and use that privilege. And I've been so amazed at how listening incredibly quickly becomes advocacy. Yes. Right? So, so just the fact that I'm willing to listen and hear yes. your story, suddenly I become an advocate That's right. uh, in the eyes of, of the leaders that I'm working with and walking with yes. that it's just having the open table and the willingness to listen. That's not, that seems like the lowest hanging fruit, right? That, that yes. doesn't even seem like it's that big of a deal. I'm just yes. opening up space to hear and inviting you to the table but when I do that, I suddenly am viewed as an advocate, mm, uh, mm. And, and and there's a there's a major shift in posture even towards me as a leader. And so, right. uh, right. I think there's such significance in that, man. Yeah, thanks, really thanks for the work you're doing, buddy. And thanks yeah. for continue to tell that story. I, the, like guys like me need to hear that. 
uh, yep. we, we need those stories and we need to be encouraged in, in those ways. So, so I appreciate it. Yeah. That. Yeah. It's really helpful, Carlos. Carlos, um, how can people connect with happy sonship? How can they connect with the work you're doing? Yeah. So happy sonship.com is the blog. And again, that's the space where whatever's happening on social media, we talk about it, try to frame it as much as we can in the context of um, the gospel. So there's videos and articles, et cetera, et cetera. The happygivers.com has quickly become kind of our more attractive space because <laughs> of the apparel and people are buying. And so we, we get to share the different things we do. We have a children's home in Peru. Um, we have some work that we do in an orphanage in Ethiopia where our, our, our youngest daughter, we adopted her from that orphanage and we're still funding and supporting. And then, of course, all the stuff we're doing in Puerto Rico, which is basically I moved here to be a host of teams of people, of individuals that want to come and help. Um, uh, it's a beautiful place. It's an American territory. You don't need a visa. So the best thing people can do that are listening, even uh, pastors, you have a few skilled people, um, whether their skill is being happy in painting or maybe some construction guys or some mamas that you want to come and give hugs to people, you are all welcome to come. <laughs> That's why we moved here to Puerto Rico. We're thinking 20, 30 years, wow. welcoming teams of we have farming projects. Right now, we're calling the, the Blue Roof Fund, which is we got 25 families that we've identified, mostly single mothers or elderly uh, people who are still living on their blue tarp as their roof. Mm -hmm. Like roofing. Um, and then once the roof is done, how buying them fridges and new mattresses and being able to help the kids go back to school, et cetera. So we're doing lots of work. It's great. And the best way people can get involved is either buying something at the store or giving a direct donation directly to the nonprofit or more than anything, coming to Puerto Rico and helping us do the work. Because, I mean, just seeing your beautiful, lovely faces here would be the best, no doubt about it. Excellent. Awesome. Great. So we'll, uh, we'll put all those links in the show notes uh, and Appreciate hopefully um, folks can, can get involved. Um, in the, in the work that you're doing. Carlos, thank you so much for sharing this time with us, sharing your wisdom with us. Um, I hope we can do this again real soon. Yeah, me too. I hope so. All Love right. to everybody. Peace y'all. Bye-bye. Thanks y'all. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the gravity leadership podcast. If you enjoy learning from this podcast, please be sure to show your support by rating, reviewing, and subscribing on iTunes. Be sure to share with your friends on social media too. And we would love to hear from you. So please email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. You can join our online community for free at gravityleadership.com slash join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com slash join. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.